0: Welcome to another episode of Culture Confluence, a podcast about arts and culture in Prince George. Culture Confluence is hosted and produced by me, Kate Partridge, with support from CFIR 88.7 FM and the Community Arts Council of Prince George. On today's episode, I talked to Danny Bell of Madloon Entertainment and Nicholas Dormar, who hosts the 2982 House Concert Series right here in Prince George. We spoke about their roles in providing space for live music, what makes their respective venues unique, and how they stay community-minded and prioritize the needs of musicians and their audience. This podcast was recorded and produced at the studios of c 887 FM at the University of Northern British Columbia. UNBC sits on the traditional, unceded territories of the Claytley-Tenay. The history of Prince George is one of colonial terror, displacement, land theft, and cultural genocide. As we think about arts and culture in Prince George, we must contend with this reality and recognize that, for many of us, our lives, livelihoods, and creative endeavors run parallel to the ongoing, often violent disenfranchisement of Indigenous communities. I'll say it one more time. We live and work on the traditional unceded lands of the Claytely today. spaces for music and the arts to happen is essential to foster a vibrant arts scene and build community around shared interest and experience. Music and arts can be individual pursuits, but as my guests today highlight, they can also serve to bring people together. Over the course of the past eight episodes of Culture Confluence, my guests continuously return to the idea of arts and culture as something that Prince George does uniquely well and that holds tangible and intangible benefits for the whole community. Marnie Hamagami of Theatre Northwest, for example, says it sets places apart from work camps and helps make Prince George such an attractive place for newcomers. While other places with larger populations and more established or at least more recognized arts and culture scenes like Vancouver and Toronto are experiencing the rapid closure of some of their most beloved music venues, the trend in Prince George seems to be headed the other direction. That's not to say it's an easy business or that there haven't been closures and significant venue losses over the years. People here work hard, very hard, to ensure that we have access to live music, theatre, visual arts and any number of other creative endeavours. And it really is a testament to the community that exists and is growing that folks are able to find support and success in creativity. Studio 2880 is celebrating its 50th year this year with an eye to the future. The Community Arts Council is looking to move downtown from its aging home on 15th Ave and find new purpose for its space. What that will look like is yet to be decided, but with the help of a broad community survey, it will be responsive to the needs and wants of those already engaged in supporting arts and culture. With so many arts creators and such an engaged audience, Studio 2880 and those interested in opening up their space to live music can choose what makes sense for them. Amanika Arts Center offers affordable all-ages shows, craft fairs, arts exhibits, and weekly events like the Monday Night Beating Circle and Sunday's Claytley-Dakal Language Circles that are open to everyone. Theatre Northwest frequently makes its space available to community groups in addition to putting on a range of theatre productions and prioritizing accessibility for their audiences. Nancy O's offers live music events with dinner and an excellent selection of beer and cocktails, as well as an open mic every other Wednesday. Trench and Crossroads Breweries have both dipped their toes in the live music venue world as well. There are many, many others finding ways to open their doors to musicians and artists and trusting that the audience is there. Listen to Nicholas and Danny talk about their venues, both very different, but motivated by a sincere love of music and an appreciation for what makes for a good live music experience for the performers, the staff, and the audience. music featured on today's episode is from musicians that are performing in Prince George in the coming months or who have recently performed here. Go to cultureconfluence.podbean.com for a complete track list and for more information on those shows. would you mind telling us a little about yourself?
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm a forester in Prince George. I went to school at UNBC. I graduated in 2015. Uh, I grew up in Calgary and I was uh, pretty interested in the music scene there and into, I play myself. I used to play a lot more and now I I enjoy a lot and play a little bit. Um, Yeah.
0: Uh, So when did you start the house concert series?
1: Uh, I started house concerts um, two years ago uh, in Prince George. Uh, it was mainly it was something I found I, I couldn't really find a similar type venue in Prince George for as a similar type venue as a house concert. And I had been to a lot of house concerts in Calgary when I lived there, and it was something that uh, I wanted to bring up to Prince George. And uh, and there there were like the Homer's concerts and stuff, but they were kind of didn't happen very often at the time, or at least I didn't know they happened very often, so um, so it was kind of a, a niche that I I was looking to fill.
0: Uh, and what was the motivation for starting the house concerts?
1: Uh, well, it's a uh, house concert is a way to um, bring people together. It's a, it's not your traditional venue where you put the musician on a stage and then they, they play and kind you put up this barrier between the musician and the audience uh, house concerts, it connects the musician and the audiences more than than other traditional venues.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, how have the house concert series, and maybe also your approach to putting on house concerts, changed over time?
1: So, uh, essentially we've just been adding on to the formula that we started with. So, uh, when I started, I reached out to a couple musicians in town, so Danny Bell and Jeremy Paul, just to find out what the expectations for house concerts were. So when we started, I, I wanted to have like a, like a polished, polished program and a polished format for it. Yeah, so they, they kind of let me know the expectations from the musicians, what they're expecting, and kind of, uh, for example, what its standard expectation for, I guess, pay or um, like accommodation and stuff. So then when I started, I was able to, to host a, a good show. I like to think, I, I think it was a good show and there was lots of good feedback from it. And so from there, uh, we added on like uh, we added on a raffle onto it just to kind of uh, engage the audience a bit more. Uh, another opportunity to raise money for the musicians. Uh, we've also started getting sponsorship for these house concerts to cover the costs, and that's been a great thing too. So then we can separate out the revenue. So the the revenue we get from the sponsorship covers the the cost of the show, and then the musicians can take home everything from the door and the raffle and stuff. So that's been another change we've we've put in since we started as well uh,
0: I love that there was some consultation with touring musicians in your process um, I heard your house concert described by Naomi Shore who played in May I think of this mm-hmm. year um, as the best put together house concert she's ever performed <laughs> and she's oh, toured well. everywhere <laughs> um, so that's a real mark in your favor uh, what do you think makes your concert so unique other than having uh, incorporating the role of sponsorship and covering your costs in that way
1: uh, so so we started off small, um, instead of going big and, and, and crashing later on down the line. So we started off with pretty, like if I could get 25 people to show up, then that was like, that would be awesome. And then, and then you know, I, I don't know, yeah, that would be a good question for, for the musicians too. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so like, for
0: example, the ones I've attended um, at your house, there's been great food, there's been some drinks available, all by donation or at a minimum fee. Uh, was that something you kind of prioritized? Rounding out the whole experience?
1: Well I started with what would make a g- or what was something I would like uh, in a house concert and kind of what makes something that feels like home because that's such a, a key thing like if you're about these house concerts and what makes them unique is that uh, that homey feel so when, when you're in your house you've got there's food available, uh, drinks, it's it's very comfortable feeling uh, and that's also a way to, to make the venue a bit more comfortable for people. So I just tried to make it feel as homey as possible. So make things things easily available for people. There's no, no barrier. But if someone wants to open the fridge and pull out a beer or something, they can. And uh, there's lots of food on the counter. So there's no... It, the house concerts are about, yeah, reducing barriers. Uh, so it's not nice as if you need to go and to a bar and and then there's that bartender that's the barrier like the it's not meant to to separate people it's meant to to reduce those barriers in these Mm -hmm. venues.
0: Uh, So you mentioned you were living in Calgary when you started attending house concerts. Um, I noticed because of course I'm from Victoria as well um, I noticed house concerts becoming more prominent as the kind of general music scene and music venues became a little bit less accessible to touring musicians so you see the rise in like pay-to-play models where musicians actually had to pay to book the rooms to play their music and that kind of thing. I don't think we have the same... I don't know that we have the same barriers here, although we do have less venues. How has your experience in a larger city informed your, your house concert hosting in Prince George?
1: So in, in a big city, when you go to a venue, you, uh, like you're in the venue with, with a bunch of people you don't know, um, you're, you usually don't really have a, a direct connection with the musicians. Well in Prince George if you go to like the Legion or Nancy O's or anywhere it's like you're you're always surrounded by friends. <laughs> uh, you go out and you, you it's, it's impossible not to run into someone you know um, and I think that changes the feel of the venues here and that's just a general that's not house concert specific that's I'd say more of a, a smaller city Prince George specific thing um, and it's the same it's usually a lot of the same people that are into music at all these shows too so there's a lot of um, like overlap with audience with all these shows so i guess with house concerts um, uh, one thing that we've had to be conscious about and that is uh, coordinating with other uh, event organizers so i try to book around when danny bell has a show at the legion or something and uh there's or there's other shows where it may kind of spread out the the general audience. so there there's a smaller pool of of, of uh, audience members to draw from. there There's a committed pool, but it's smaller, and you don't want to you don't want to double book something in the city. And it's been really nice in uh, Prince George because the uh, like the event organizers like like Danny Bell, who you also have on this show, Uh, He's really easy to work with, and and we can coordinate. At least I can coordinate around his schedule. I'm not sure he coordinates around my schedule, but I can coordinate around his schedule pretty easily. We've got a nice little kind of
0: community
2: connection. I dreamt I was a hermit crab. Everything was on my back.
0: for you. Oh, you are listening to Culture Confluence, hosted and produced by me, Kate Partridge, with support from CIFR 88.7 FM and the Community Arts Council. You can find past episodes of Culture Confluence at cultureconfluence.podbean.com or on your favorite podcast providers, including CastBox and Apple Podcast. dreamt I was a hermit crowd Everything was on my back Only ruled by
1: so I want to talk a bit about the uh, kind of the the feel of of house concerts versus other venues and I've touched on that a little bit and the breaking of boundaries but in a way house concerts which are held in uh, someone's home create an atmosphere that's very familiar and comfortable for people. Everyone at some point or another has played music in their living room whether it's learning to play guitar or uh, even just listening to music and uh, that in essence, breaks. Uh, I believe it breaks a wall uh, between the musician and the audience, uh, so the there's there's more of a connection there. So, the audience feels uh, comfortable interacting with the musicians. So you go to these house concerts, and you can get a bit more of like hoot and hollering towards the musicians, or people are yelling out uh, comments and stuff, and and providing feedback to the musicians in in good feedback, or it kind of creates more of a dialogue between the audience and the musicians. And, uh, and I think, ultimately, that's what, what music, especially live music, is about, is, is making connections, not about putting people on a pedestal or putting musicians on a pedestal and creating a wall, wall with that. It's about connecting people and the musicians and the, the music and the stories behind the music. So that's uh, why I feel house concerts create that intimate experience.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so you mentioned the the role of sponsorship. How did you find a sponsor for the series?
1: Uh, so uh, first thing I did was develop a sponsorship program. So uh, I've worked on events before uh, where I've been in charge of getting sponsorship and stuff. And it helps to to have something built that, peop- that uh, companies can pick up and they know exactly what to give and what they get for it. So I've created the model. Uh, so there's three different categories. Um, they can Fifty dollars, hundred dollars, or two hundred and fifty dollars, uh, and then they get different things for each level of sponsorship. Um, and then from there is essentially just um, going around, being being a salesperson, and trying to canvas businesses and try to get sponsorship.
0: And have you had a pretty good response so far? Are people at least receptive to the idea?
1: Oh, absolutely! People That's are great. people are definitely receptive to the idea, and um, and uh, we have gotten some sponsorship already so far, which is good, and, and hopefully more to come.
0: And in terms of logistics, because there isn't maybe, there isn't such a formalized structure to it, say a stage with microphones and then an audience who stays in the audience and that kind of thing, how do you deal with the logistical challenges?
1: Uh, so uh, first of all, I need if I, uh, I ask the musicians that are playing what they need. So if they need a certain amount of space, how many of them are, and then I, I can work around that because that's kind of, they, they're less flexible than I am. Uh, and then with the uh, logistics during the event, um, I end up going around and just kind of being bossy and telling people it's time to sit down. and time. So, uh, so I, I direct the logistics quite a bit, so it's not as... Uh, there is some control of the logistics I, I put in place to make it run smoothly
0: just seems fluid, (laughs) which is really just a testament to your skills at hosting. Mm, Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) What about the other logistical challenges about opening up your house? Uh, How do your roommates feel about it? How do your neighbors feel? Any of those kinds of concerns come up for you?
1: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've always been pretty fortunate to have uh, a lot of buy-in from my roommates. Uh, which is helpful and uh, they've definitely helped and uh, and their support too, which is also helpful with setting it up and that helps with logistics too is having a couple extra bodies around to, to bang together benches and clean up the house before and after. And as far as uh, logistics go, the biggest thing for me is just working it around my schedule. Uh, so oftentimes I'll be working in the field so I need to schedule at a time when I'm at home and, and, and in advance too. So uh, So those are So essentially just planning far in advance is is a good way that I handle it because then I can get buy-in from the roommates and uh, get everything ready beforehand so when the day shows up it's like we've got our plan and we just execute it.
0: And how do you go about booking? Do you contact musicians or for the most part do they contact you?
1: Uh, it depends on, it's, it's both. Um, for booking the shows, it's a combination of uh, me reaching out to musicians, uh, which is mainly the case for uh, local musicians, and uh, musicians getting in touch with me. Uh, so uh, for the first show that we did, it was Danny Bell who played with uh, Jeremy Paul and Warren Newbonin. Ever since then, um, Danny's been really good at uh, identifying if there's a musician that's coming to town and either one of his venues isn't available, uh, or it's more suited to a uh, house concert uh, than recommending him my way, and uh, and then with hosting these shows, because there was a big emphasis of doing it right the first time and starting small, uh, the reputation of the shows has has spread, and uh, musicians are, have contacted me directly.
0: Are shows generally focused on one performer or do you try and curate a, a lineup of sorts?
1: The format of the shows are usually dictated by the musician that's playing that night or musicians. Uh, so if they're touring together or if they're just by themselves, uh, I I don't try to book more than one, one act in a night. Uh, but if they're touring together, then we'll definitely have two two acts that night. But it's not, I, I won't, I've never set up a show to with multiple musicians in one night. It's always been one or a group that's traveling together.
0: Yeah, nice and simple. Mm-hmm. So, whenever I think of house concerts, um, I think of Corn Rims. There will always be a small time. Corn, um, of course, performed at your house in that was the May show as well, mm-hmm. I think. This is a super unfair question, but do you have any highlights of shows in the past?
1: Uh, there, there have been good highlights. So all the shows are, are so much fun. Uh, there was uh, one time on an Amy Blanding show where Eli of the Racket just showed up out of the blue at the house concert, and uh, they ended up doing doing a set together, kind of like a spontaneous. Well, not a set. They ended up doing a song together. Like no one was expecting Eli to come, and he showed up, and he's quite well known in the Northern BC music scene, and uh, and yeah, it was just kind of like like. Friends see that haven't seen each other for a long time and it was really special.
0: Nice. Oh yeah, what's up and coming?
1: Uh we're currently in the process of putting together our winter house concert series. Uh so we don't have anything uh confirmed at the moment, but we're in the process of, of uh confirming shows for the coming winter. Uh so so stay tuned and to stay up to date with the house shows. Uh, while these house shows started off as, as more private gatherings over the last couple of shows, we've been opening them up more to the public. Uh, so we've been advertising through posters around town, we've been making um, public Facebook events. And we also have a mailing list, which I'll I'll give you my email to put into the description if anyone wants to get in touch with me about uh, getting on the, the list to stay up to date with upcoming shows.
0: Okay, great. That's great. Thanks so much for coming in, Nicholas. I really appreciate it.
1: Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
4: you should put some weed in my casket, the dope in heaven is stale and crunchy and the shipping costs, are going up monthly, I'm sick of losing my head, sick of all-time music man, but I heard better songs round a campfire and brawler than I do from those f- making millions of dollars, I'm sick of losing my head, sick of, sick of losing my head. When I die, you should just burn me down to ashes, I'm sick of losing my head, sick of, sick of losing my head. but the losers even first come back
0: again you are listening to culture confluence on c 88.7 fm with support from the community arts council of prince george so my guest today is danny bell owner and operator of madloon entertainment uh, for those who don't already know what is madloon
3: Madloon is an entertainment company um, And I use it to organize shows primarily at the Legion in town
0: So what are some of the services that you offer, say touring bands for example?
3: A place to stay, a place to play And then I do sound for the show Sometimes I even play with the bands if they don't have a backing rhythm section Um, I try to do as much as I can for them, basically get a great experience And
0: promotion as well, you take care of promotion for the venue Yeah, yeah uh, that's pretty rad. It's kind of a one-stop shop for for mm-hmm. bands. Uh, what prompted you to start Madloon, and what were those early days like? When did you start Madloon?
3: It was either 2014 or 2015. I think the first show was Drummond Bell Tower in October of one of those years. Um, it was it was awesome. Um, it was pretty like immediate um, at the beginning. I just knew that uh, that it was going to go well because ev- lots of people came to the first show. Lots of people came to all the the first whole fall of shows, they were all busy, um, and people were pumped to have a new space to listen to music in.
0: Sweet, and those were all at the Legion?
4: Mm-hmm,
3: yeah.
0: So when you started Mad Loon, did you have a series of shows set up, or was it kind of a case-by-case basis in those early days?
3: I found it a lot easier to book then because there was so much of a void, um, and a lot of people did want to come to Prince George and hadn't been there for a while, and I had just met a bunch of people on the road um, touring myself. So I found it, uh, I found it quite easy to fill up that first fall. I think I think I had it all booked um, in a few weeks or something, had the whole fall set up. Um, But nowadays I'm having to like send out more emails, reaching out to people because yeah, I only know so many people and when that group of people comes through, it's not like they're going to come back a couple months later or uh, even a year later. So yeah, I'm finding it harder and harder to like get people to play because they have just played here or whatever
0: yeah and prince george is becoming a, a tourist stop on the map for a lot of people but it's not established yeah. uh, across the board just yet
3: totally yeah
0: um so in your time here in prince george how have you seen the cultural landscape shift and how have venues and access to space changed
3: i've been seeing more bands uh starting in town locally which is really sweet there's also like a a record label run by my friend Britt Meyerhofer um, called Good Egg Records. So that's a new thing Um, and that's kind of like, it's not like your traditional record label, it's more like uh, people kind of all going in together to support each other and share each other's events and play with each other and uh, just kind of like a group promotion as opposed to like everybody doing it on their own. Um, So that's really helped. Uh, Cold Snap has kind of always been great since I've been here, um, and that festival has also been better with local artists as well. So that's really sweet to see improvement in, and uh, yeah, and just more shows since since I've moved here. Um, yeah, even when I was going to university here, there were shows regularly, but uh, yeah, I feel like it's multiplied for sure. It's growing.
0: Do you feel like the crowd has changed at all? Is it is it an older crowd, a younger crowd, a more diverse crowd? <laughs>
3: Um, noticed
0: any shifts there?
3: Yeah, I actually, well, before the Legion, we had a place called Riley's in, like, the bottom floor of the Days Inn, which is just freshly demolished. Yeah, there it was mostly, like, university people and people who had just graduated university that were still in touch with that crowd. More younger people, I would say. And then now what I'm seeing at the Legion, it's kind of... I guess it's kind of similar, but with a bit wider of an age group. Anywhere from 19 to 70, really. But like most of it is from like 19 to 20 or 35, I'd say.
0: Do you find it difficult to reach the student population having UNBC so far removed from downtown?
3: I don't know. But I know that there are lots of university students at some of the shows. And yeah, it's easy to just throw some posters around the university and get a PSA on Cifer and... Yeah, I don't think it's that hard to reach the university population. I think it's one of the easiest populations to reach because they're all in one building up here.
0: So what makes a good music venue? Like, why does some succeed while others struggle to find an audience? What makes The Legion so great?
3: Um, it's inexpensive to go out to a show, and it's not like you pay a bunch of money and you go to a show every now and again. It's, like, super cheap every time, and you can go every weekend if you want. Another great thing about The Legion is that it sounds good in there, it's a good sounding room it's comfortable it feels safe uh i don't think anybody feels like grossed out by like a weird bar culture there because that doesn't exist there's also anita and linda behind the bar which are like sweet fairy godmothers to the audience um i think it just feels really good in there that's what i like about the legion but what makes a good venue in general i think i don't know yeah are a lot of those things yeah safety access um Amanika's doing a great job of that, too. A lot of their shows are free or uh, very inexpensive if they are charged for, and uh, and it's open to all, um, and it's a safe space. Nobody feels in danger in there.
0: What are some of the more creative ways you've seen venues adapt and change in order to survive?
3: So the Legion is transitioning into a new liquor license. Their old liquor license was a club license, um, which means that everyone who goes either has to be signed in by their friend who is a member or, uh, or be a member themselves. And that became an issue this summer when they were making the transition uh, we just had to change the way that we were doing things. So we had to get a bunch of new members, um, which seemed like a huge obstacle. Um, but the support was overwhelming. Tons of people came out. We got over a hundred members in a couple weeks. Um, So I don't know, that was one challenge that we faced. Another challenge is like sound. Um, There are some venues in town that are like really cool spaces and they have something cool to offer in one department or another and the sound is is horrible. Um, And I've seen venues try to treat that, but that's pretty expensive. Consistent programming, Um, Which isn't always something that people want like at Almanica. There's different things all the time But I know that like some venues shoot for like a consistency of some kind like at the Legion We have one of my shows every Saturday night Um, And some people just come on Saturdays knowing that there will be something going on Another obstacle we're facing at the Legion is the stage is very small not only small like the size of it but also like the height so it's like when short people are on stage and there's a full house, you sometimes can't see the people on stage at all. <laughs> um, so I don't know, we're gonna try and raise some money to get a new stage put in. Um, but yeah, it's really hard because the only way to make money is is off of booze for the venue. I find that to be another obstacle um, because I would like to see more all ages shows in town. But when the only way that a building can, or an organization can make money is by selling liquor, then that makes the all ages events kind of um, strange sometimes, or maybe not, I don't know. Either way, it makes it harder. Money, sound, space, those are all obstacles and challenges in running a venue.
0: Um, and how important has that community been to the success of Mad Loon and the growth of Prince George's music scene more generally?
3: The musicians? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and music supporters. Oh, music supporters, key. Yeah, it's everything. Um, yeah, there's some people that come to shows every time. There's like a small group of people that are there almost every time if they're around town. And that's huge. And also, uh, yeah, I've just found Prince George to be a pretty supportive community in general, especially for local musicians starting new projects or coming out with an album or, um, yeah, just local people producing things. I feel like Prince George really cares about that and comes out to show that support in person. It's pretty awesome. And I think it's something that's kind of special about Prince George. unique, like the level of support that we see here is pretty, pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, totally. So what do you see as the responsibility of music presenters and music organizers to put together programming that is reflective of the diversity of our community more generally?
3: Um, I think it's very important. There's also the importance to just like stay passionate about the series that you're presenting or... The music or the art or whatever you're presenting i think it's the most important thing is that the presenter is passionate about it um and so i wouldn't go around booking anything just because it represents a different part of the community or something um i first and foremost look at like do i like this but that being said if like an all-female punk group gets in touch with me i'm pumped because we don't get enough of that around here. Or if like an indigenous uh, singer-songwriter gets in touch with me and I love the music, um, I'm also pumped because we don't get enough of that around here, I don't think. Yeah, there's lots of things that I look forward to seeing and that I actively seek out. Um, Kim Mortal is is someone that I've been trying to get up here for a long time. Um, yeah, I, I definitely seek that out, but... Um,
0: yeah, I think there's ways you can seek it out without sacrificing quality. I think the assumption oh, is totally, that yeah. uh, the diversity comes before quality, but they exist at the same time in tandem Totally, all over the place.
3: Yeah, I completely agree.
0: Um, okay, so going back a little bit to this community that is developed around music and music supporters, uh, what about this upcoming partnership with Theatre Northwest?
3: Uh, that's pretty exciting. Um, it was going to be like a month, yeah, like a monthly thing. But what we're doing is we're just going to try this one out in the fall next month, actually October 12th with Jeff Burner. That's the first one. And I got in touch with them after I had done the play in December with them, the Million Dollar Quartet. I played drums in that play and that was tons of fun. And then I kind of uh, through that met Marnie and uh, other people at the theater. And uh, we started talking about putting on like a folk music concert series type of thing. Um, and I've reached out to tons of like dream artists about playing those, um, which could be really cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a new thing for me thinking about like who you could fly in to play a show, you know, when it's just one person and there's a space that large with that great of a vibe in it. So you can actually, um, I don't know. It's worth more than just going to a party show at the Legion, which is worth a lot to me. I love it. But, uh, a sit-down show where the sole focus of it is just like being quiet and listening to an amazing performer and not necessarily even having to use amplification. Like that's a really special thing about a space. Um, and so I, yeah, so the budget can be a bit more to bring these people in. Um, so for me, it's been like a really new experience of, of uh, dreaming who could be on that stage. Instead of like at the Legion, I wait for people to contact me or I see a band's going to Edmonton and then Vancouver and I try to catch them in the middle it like opens up a bit more as far as options of who we can bring in, which is exciting. And Jeff Burner is amazing. So I'm really excited to have him be kind of the pilot show. Um, And then we'll kind of assess the project and see if we can keep doing shows there in the future.
0: Cool, yeah. Uh, Something I really like about Theater Northwest is that they have such a great space and they're so eager to have people use it. Yeah. Um, Like Marnie said, she really hates seeing the space sit empty. It just seems like such a waste. Yeah. Thinking about uh, other venue options in town, where would you like to see expansion? Either another another venue, a different type of venue, or maybe more shows. Where's the room for growth?
3: I would like to see better venues, even if that just means improving the venues that we already have, I think. Because there's a few really cool spaces. We've got some nice small spaces. Not all of those sound very good. Um, we have some nice medium-sized spaces, Most of those sound pretty good. And then there's some new places that are doing music that, uh, I don't know. Yeah, acoustic treatment, like I said before, is a really hard thing because it's expensive. It doesn't always look cool. But yeah, I think we need improvements to our venues as far as like sound systems and sound dampening, um, not only to make it sound better, but to also like protect the ears of the audience. Yeah, because yeah, experiences like that can turn people off of going to local shows.
0: Even if even if you're not cognizant of like this sound, like the sound is bad in this room, you might not go to the next show.
3: Yeah, totally. I think another thing that would be great to improve is uh, like pay structures for artists. We're lucky at the Legion um, that all the door money goes straight to the artists. um, And they do offer guarantees in case there is like a flop, like they'll still pay the band to make sure they at least have enough money to eat and, you know, whatever, something, at least a little bit of pay. But uh, that's not always the case. Sometimes there's venues that take a portion of the door money. Um, um, Sometimes there's places that make you pay to play there, like you have to rent it and then you have to get a liquor license to like run the thing to try and make enough money off of that to cover the rental. Um, Yeah, I think it should be really simple um, that you're bringing people into a space through providing your music, all the money that they pay at the door should go to you. And it's up to the people that own the place to like make their products attractive enough to, to make money off of those while the people are in there.
0: So how can people get involved or find out more about Madloon?
3: You can go on Facebook at facebook.com slash madloon and you can find me on Instagram also under madloon or madloon entertainment.
0: And how about your music?
3: You can find my music at dannybell.org. Nice.
0: Okay, thanks Danny. Yep. Appreciate it. A woman to
5: drive for hours. Meet a funny-looking man in the bar of the Company him upstairs several prayers And drive right back without so much as a very well Well, she's an educated girl so she knows how to be ironic Deflect our talk of feeling with finesse but What was she trying to get what did she get instead? She ain't talking, so it's anybody's guess but You say that you hate that prairie wind Nevertheless, you do a very fine imitation of Was it the same thing to you, to me, please? You hate that prairie wind I asked her about the ring upon her finger When we first touched hands We sat in the hotel chair Neglected to ask the question hanging there You say that you hate that prairie wind Nevertheless, you do a very fine imitation of it Was it the same thing to you to me? you outside to take a stroll it's exhilarating and bright till that cold wind comes up to bite you and remind you of all the things you can't control you say that you hate that prairie wind And nevertheless, you do a damn fine imitation of it Is it the same thing
0: for listening to another episode of Culture Confluence. A huge thank you to my guests, Danny Bell and Nicholas Dormar. As always, I'm grateful for the continued support of Studio 2880 and the Community Arts Council of Prince George, as well as Cifer 88.7 FM. Music for today's episode was from Billy Zizi, who you can see live at the Legion on October 18th, Naomi Shore, Danny Bell and his disappointments, Corin Raymond, and Jeff Burner, who will be performing at Theatre Northwest on October 12th. More information on those shows can be found at facebook.com slash For more info on Nicholas's House Concert Series, email nicholas.dormar at alumni.unbc.ca. If you have questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, you can email me at seifer underscore hello at sefer.ca I'm
2: glad to see that yours is on the right. So nearly everywhere I go I hear you on the radio <laughs> I can't say that I'm surprised But the big time is a long climb You can slide back in no time And if your star should ever fade I'll be right here acting half my age <laughs> Strutting all around the stage Still having fun and getting paid There will always be a small time If all the lights
4: go to your head There will always be a good time
2: when nine to five Day price Si says this is paradise and that's exactly where we are Folks here seem to like my sound Tell me that I'm big time bound all I can say is it ain't happy yet If fortune calls me by my name I go out to play the game. There's one thing I won't forget There will always <laughs> be a small time
4: And
2: if I'm somewhere else instead I know one thing there will always be a Come back home again Nowadays we're playing in the parlors Like the way they used to do Oh, big times, they are changing fast The only thing that's gonna last Is that folks like us sing songs to folks like you